here we are in June. So that means some of y'all already planning getaways and vacations, aren't you? No? It's a good idea, get away. If you're already in debt, you better put that off and get out of debt. Somebody say amen. amen. You're paying for an expensive vacation and you're still in debt? Now get out of debt first. Now some of you are saying, I ain't going to listen to another word. I'm, I'm just trying to love on you. Amen, amen. But these vacations, you usually have these um, tour guides that take you around, right? They get paid not too bad. Somewhere between 25000 a year and 80000 some of these tour guides. So for those of you who've been to these different exotic places and the person's taking you around and they say, look at this rock. It's been here for two million years. <laughs> and you got a little junior saying, this is boring, Daddy. I don't want to be here. And you're like, you better shut up. I paid a lot for this tour trip. <laughs> so you're on this tour. They're taking you around. You might be on a fishing tour. They say, look at that big whale over there. Look over yonder. You'll see the whale. This tour guide could be making $70,000. So they get paid. Now, if you speak two languages or three languages now, they're even more in demand, these, 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 these tour guides that take you all over. So one time, we were in Kenya, Africa. I thought that's where we were going to go. And that's how I met Sam Harrell, because he had a Kenyan, uh, has a Kenyan wife, Rhoda, some of you know, that sweet couple. Well, um, we were in Kenya this time, praying about, is this the place we're supposed to live for the rest of our lives, so on and so forth. So there we are, and we're at this place called Lake Victoria. You ever heard that? Heard of that? It's the largest tropical lake. It's also the second largest freshwater lake in the world. What's the number one freshwater lake, the big one? Lake Superior. That's right. That's the one. It's in, uh, it's in North, North America. But the second largest is uh, Lake Victoria. So there we are. And we got this tour guide. He get us, gets us in this canoe. But I, I just wish the canoe did not have a hole in it. So we're in the middle of this lake, scooping out water, trying to keep this canoe from going under. And God is, is speaking to me at this time, saying, never choose this tour guide again. I'll give you another reason. Besides the hole in the did I tell you there's a hole in the canoe? Did I tell you that yet? Okay. Besides that, we're going out onto, onto this lake. I'm playing in the water, you know, the nice, cool, fresh water. And then if somebody says, do you know there's alligators in that water? Do you know there's hippos in that water? And, and the hippos, are, those are the, the ones that kill most of the African people there. In, the hippo, most dangerous animal. I thought they were just happy, fat, chubby. No, and then they're vegetarians, so they'll chew you up and spit you out. So as I'm out on the water, and this man is not warning me about the hippos, he's not warning me about the alligators either, I'm saying to myself, I will never choose this tour guide again. I did share the gospel with him, but it was... It was Total agape love, because I was mad at the tour guide. 
You ever share the gospel with somebody and you're mad at them? I was just mad. But I really couldn't trust this tour guide. I'm like, you're not warning me about the alligators, the hippos, the pythons. You're not, you're not warning me about And then you put me in a, did I tell you that the canoe had a hole in it? Did I tell you that? And we scooping water out. I don't like telling these stories because now some of y'all, the devil's saying to some of you, see, that's why you shouldn't go on the mission field. So that's one of the worst things we can do, folks, tell them these bad stories, because that's going to give them more excuses not to, not to go. But look, 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 I'm here. <laughs> Somebody say amen. I got my arms. He will tell you to go, the Lord will tell you to go to some places that are sort of dangerous. But he says, Lord, I'm with you. As you're making disciples, amen? As you're making disciples, wherever you go, I'm with you. And I'm going to send you amongst some imperfect people. And by the way, you're imperfect too. I don't want, I, don't, I would not recommend that tour guide. Some would say, no, you should because he got you back to dry land safely, didn't he? I'm not, did I tell you there was a hole in the canoe? Did I tell you that? <laughs> I forgave him, believe it or not. Lord, Lord Jesus, I can't trust him, but I can trust Jesus to be my tour guide. I can trust him. I can trust him. And for some of you, for some of you, if you're really, really honest with you, you might have said amen just now, but sometimes you don't want Jesus to be your tour guide because he's going to take you places you don't necessarily want to go. You prefer to say, Lord, here's my plan. Bless my plan, Lord. Instead of trust me, I'm your tour guide. We try to be Jesus' tour guide. So we end up going to wrong places. And then we wonder, why am I still wandering in this desert for 40 years? And why is it when I sit, by the way, I didn't talk to pastor about what to preach, so if it hits you, it ain't me, or it's not pastor. Just say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Because if you end up back in the pastor's office and you're talking to him and you feel like you still haven't made any progress, that's because you're still wandering in the desert because Jesus is not yet your tour guide. Here's a beautiful prayer. Some of you might even think Jesus is mad at me because he told me, he told me to follow him with great commitment 10 years ago, and I still wandered off, and I'm struggling with my faith. Well, today, you can say, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Yeah. That's the problem. We, 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 try to, we try to trust him on our own. But if you say, Jesus, help me in my unbelief, he'll meet you right there. But first, you got to get out the boat, and then you'll start walking on water, and then you'll start to learn that if I keep my eyes on you, I can keep doing this. I can stay above the wave. Somebody say amen. amen. You learn to trust them. Keep a journal. Keep a journal. Keep a journal. Somebody say amen. amen. Keep a journal. Write it down. You'll start to see, okay, Lord, you brought me through that. You brought me through that. And you're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You got to remind yourself, though, of the lions and the bears he helped you with because Goliath is going to show up tomorrow. And you got to say, Lord, but you helped me with this. Okay, Lord, okay, help me in my unbelief. Remind me that you're faithful. I can trust you. You can be my tour guide. And wherever you lead, I will follow. That's one of the songs that God gave my father years ago when he was, at a, he was, he was, he was in a valley of decision. 
And that song, wherever he leads, I'll go. Holy Spirit used that in his life as a young man. And he said to me one day, he said, I'm the only pastor I know in New York that doesn't have high blood pressure. Because he trusts his tour guide. You know how you know if you really trust your tour guide? Are you willing to go anywhere he leads you? Where are you today? Are you where he wants you to be or are you where you want to be? But it makes logical sense for me to stay here because I'm making good money. So you love money more than you love your tour guide. Are you with that person and you know, okay, this person, but they go to church, but you know they don't love Jesus, and you're dating them? Do you trust the tour guide to lead you to the right person? Some of you saying, don't invite him back, please. Tour guide, look with me, Psalm 25, Psalm 25, Psalm 25. Look at this here. See, on vacation, sometimes you're with a tour guide. You ever been with a tour guide? They're, like, they're taking you places, and you're like, you know what? I'll never get a tour guide again. I like to have freedom. You ever been there? It's like because he's bringing you, it's like a group of 20 of you, and you got your camera. You got your big hat. You look like a tourist, right? And you, you're following the tour guide, right? And then after a while, you want to stay a little longer to check something out. And then the tour guide said, time to go. Come on, y'all. And you're like, Ugh! I didn't take all my pictures yet. We do that to Jesus. Jesus says, time to go. And you're like, wait, well, hold up, Jesus. Give me two more years because I want to stay here a little longer. I'm, I'm, I want, look, look, and the tour guide is saying, trust me. We got to get out of here. It's getting dark. No, 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 Jesus. I'm, I'm coming. When the tour guide says go, you better go. The tour guide knows the area better than you do. Somebody say amen. The tour guide really does care about you. This tour guide, Jesus, he really knows everything. Somebody say amen. Amen. He proved his love when he died for you. So if he died for you, what else wouldn't he give you? If he died for you, he's going to give you something you don't need or something you do need. You got to start to think about this thing. Psalm 25, look with me. To you, O Lord, we can't look at all these verses. We ain't got time. But to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, verse 2, in you I trust, it says here. In you I trust. Hallelujah. Do you trust him? Are you trusting in him with your whole heart? Are you leaning on your own understanding of how to take this journey, wandering in the desert for 40 years unnecessarily? Oh, he loves you. I need to pause. If you sense for one minute that I'm here to yell at you or make you feel bad, I'm here to remind you the Lord loves you. I'm here to remind you he has a plan. I also want to remind you that the devil has a plan. If you don't live life with the realization that there's somebody who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and there's somebody that wants to give you life abundantly, which is the loving tour guide, Jesus, you're going to always stay on the wrong path. You're going to be where you're not supposed to be. 
trust, I put my trust, oh my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Don't let me be disappointed, or you won't be disappointed if you follow this tour guide. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. You got enemies out there, and we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Somebody say amen. amen. So important to keep in mind. So important to keep in mind. And you know what? The, 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 the shepherd, who's like a tour guide to the sheep, right? Right? Because you follow me, sheep. You follow me, you follow me. It's interesting. You ever hear about these green pastures? Here's the interesting thing about the Middle East and really that context. If you go in the Middle East and you see shepherds leading their sheep, if you're looking at a distance, your mind, when you think of green pastures, you're probably thinking of your green grass in front of your home that's so trimmed and looking so pretty right now. <laughs> that's what you think about, a green pasture. Right? Well, if you go to the Middle East, and you know this pastor, if you go there, you look from a distance, and it's a green pasture. That look brown and dry looking. But the shepherd knows what he's doing. If you keep following that shepherd, if the sheep keep following, and you see these sheep, these shepherd know the these these sheep know their shepherd. They know his voice. Somebody say, "Amen." And as they follow him, as they get closer and closer, they see blades of green grass this high, but from a distance, it don't look like it. And for some of us, we're following the, the Lord. We're following the good shepherd. We're following the tour guide. And we don't see green grass. And it doesn't make sense. Lord, this looks dry. The people on the job don't like me. My family don't like me. I don't, I'm not experiencing the success that my cousin is experiencing. And my ministry doesn't seem like it's blossoming. Is this green pasture? I don't get it. Then we say, tour guide, I, I, I can't, I, I just can't do this no more. Then you start leaning on your own understanding. But he's leading you to the green pasture that you can't see with the human eye. He's with you. Somebody say amen. Look at your neighbor and say, trust the tour guide. Look at them saying, trust the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Trust him. Trust him. He says, lift up your eyes. It says, lift, it's, unto you I lift up my soul. That means in the original language, that is your eyes. Lift up your voice. Lift up. Look up and don't give up. Amen? In the midst of the tough stuff, look up and don't give up. You turn your eye. You look up and say, okay, okay, Lord. I'm trusting you. This is not even making sense. I got to say this. I got to say this. Get used to it not making sense. <laughs> Moses, go to Pharaoh. He goes. At first, he makes an excuse. Amen? Because you can make excuses to, with the tour guy. He say, I ain't got it. I'm tired. You know, can I just rest? And I got the right clothes. I got the right shoes. I got there. I got you got the wrong one. Maybe you, I'll get somebody else to follow. And I'll come back for me tomorrow. You should say all sort of stuff. Moses made a lot of excuses. So then he goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh makes it worse for the people. And then the devil says, see, you shouldn't follow that tour guy. You see how you, this is all in scripture. Folk who think they're going the wrong way, but they're really going the right way. But we expect it to go smooth all the time. We expect smooth roads when we follow this tour guide, Jesus. We expect it to be, but you know what? It needs to be a rough road. Do you know the Kenyans who keep running those marathons and winning, they train on rough roads. 
So if you're on a rough road right now, oh, victory is right around the corner. Somebody say amen. Because all things work together for good to those who follow this tour guide. Suffering, you can rejoice in the midst of suffering because you know what it produces in you. right there all of this all this stuff here lift up your eyes lift up your, all of this all of this and when it gets scary and confusing we're not going to look at all these verses just a few of them then it says trust verse two it talks about trusting and trust is where when you trust them it's a conviction of the mind based on evidence repeat repeat that after. it's a conviction of the mind, of the mind. based on evidence Check this out. Peter would have never seen the evidence of the power of God if he never got out the boat in the first place. Some of you don't have the evidence because you haven't trusted him yet. So once you get out now and you start walking on water, then you have a testimony. The test turns into a testimony. So you got to get out, though. You got to get out. Okay? And do those things. Now, you, if you've already done that and you say, okay, I've already made some sacrifices, certainly... God wouldn't bring more challenges for me. I've already sacrificed enough for my Lord. Until you get to heaven, more challenges are coming. Don't you, don't you see that? Those of you who have kids, first it's the challenge of pushing the baby out. Lord Jesus. And then you, you have an epidural to get rid of the pain, but then there's other pain that comes even when the epidural, the, the, the numbness wears off. Then you still got pain. Somebody say amen. And then they start walking and touching things and breaking things in your house. And if you're a neat freak, they start spilling stuff on the, on the white carpet. That's more challenges. Then they got the nerve to become a teenager. And so you got more suffering in the tour guide is saying, come this way. I'm going to show you something different. I'm going to show you stuff about yourself. So now you go through that. And then they talk about, I want to date this boy and I want to date this girl. And then if they, you, you figure they grew up in church, so of course they're going to always have the mind of Christ. Then they decide to get married. And you warned them not to get married. Y'all see where this is going? Then they have children. And you got these pains in your joints. And it's like one thing after another. And then you, then you have to relocate and go live in another place. And all these things. It's like, Lord, I'm tired. Lord, I know you tell me to follow you and keep following you and keep doing what you say, but it, keep, it seems like I keep running into difficulty. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. He's guiding you through this. We got to trust the, the, the tour guide. He knows what he, he's guiding you through all of this. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. The second verse, it mentions that 
we, we, we have these enemies, and he wants to save us from shame and hopelessness and, and guilt and all of that stuff. And sometimes on this journey, what he's showing us is the reality not only about himself, but he's showing you stuff about yourself too. There's so much that's going on on this journey that he's taking you on. And then verse 3 says, indeed, some of those who wait for you, so none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. That means you won't be disappointed if you wait on the Lord. Now, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? To wait on the Lord is not like sitting in a, it's not sitting in a waiting room in the doctor's office. Think more of a, when you wait on the Lord, think more of a, a waiter who serves the Lord. Mm. Waiting on the Lord involves serving the Lord with anticipation that great things are about to happen. That's the waiting. There's an anticipation. There's, a, there's hope, there's, which, is, which is a joyful expectation, a confident expectation. That's waiting on the Lord as you serve him. As you serve, as you're doing what he, as you love your wife, as you, sh you, you sh you're loving your kids, you're loving your husband, you're, you're, you're doing these things, you're waiting on him, knowing that something good's going to come out of this. And it might not be immediate. But you know you're doing what the Lord is telling you to do. Look at verse 4 with me. Make me know your ways. That's, in other words, show me. Show me stuff. Show, show me stuff that I just can't see easily. Make me know your ways. So you're telling the tour guide, show me. What do you want to show me? And I'm sure many times Jesus might say, you ain't ready for this. You want me to really show you the truth about who I am? You want me to really show you the truth about your neighbors? You want me to really show you the truth about yourself? You want me to really show you the truth about the devil? If you have, if you have this tour guide, you need to say, Lord Jesus, show me. Teach me. What, what, what is it that you want to show me? It's interesting when... Jesus called the disciples, and he said, follow me. He was saying, I want to be a tour guide. Follow me, follow me. And he starts taking them around. He starts showing them things. He starts showing them things about themselves. He even showed Peter one day, you know, Peter, a lot of good things come out of your mouth, but you know what, Peter? The devil uses you sometimes. So he looks at Peter. He looks beyond the physical realm, and he says, get thee behind me, Satan. The tour guide was showing him something that day. Peter must have turned around and said, where's Satan? I'm Simon, I'm Peter, I'm Cephas, but who's, well, you call me Satan? He was teaching that you could, be, you could be talking, anointed by the Spirit, and the next minute used of Satan. That goes for preachers too. Some of you saying, yep, when you told me don't go on vacation, that was Satan. <laughs> I know that's what you're thinking. How can we stay in the good habit of following the tour guide? How can we stay in this? Uh, it's a habit. There are these disciplines. I remember reading one day that Michael Jordan's teammates 
were amazed that when they got to the gym to practice, Michael Jordan was already in there for two hours and he was already sweating. He had disciplines. He was in the, he was in the gym at 6 a.m. His buddies are getting in there at 8 a.m. And when I read that, the Lord said, can you get up earlier and follow your tour guide and listen to my voice? This man is doing it for a basketball going into a hoop. Can you get up earlier and tune your ears in to the tour guide? I said, Lord, forgive me. So then I start setting my alarm. I said, I'm going to be like Jordan, spiritually speaking. Put my, put my phone there. Snooze. Snooze again. So that's about 20 minutes right there, because each snooze is about 10 minutes, right? Right? How you know? See? Y'all do the snoozy too, I know. So you snooze it, you snooze it. Then the Lord said, okay, I'm going to help you. The Lord will help you to be disciplined. Somebody say amen. amen. He said, get that phone from reach and put it on the other side of the room. Now I got to get out of the bed. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I'll start doing that. Still take discipline because I can still put my behind right back in that bed. But it helps. Started getting up early to tune my ears into the tour guide. How do you want to lead me today, Lord? What decisions you want? How do you want me to love my wife today, Lord? How do you want me to encourage my 22-year-old, Lord? How do you want to encourage my 12-year-old daughter? I need you. How do I, how do I love the people in the church? How do you want me to love my enemies? Somebody say amen. Lord, lead me, lead me, lead me, lead me. I need your help, Lord. I need your help. Show me, show me, show me. Because there's certain things we won't see unless he helps us. So some people say, well, how do you end up growing up in Queens, New York, and you end up in Mexico? How does that happen? Did, a, did an angel come down and say, I want you in Africa? I want you to... And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, following the tour guide is a step-by-step obedience. Somebody say amen. amen. You go step-by-step. Step. Now look, look, at, look at John chapter 14, 21. I hope this blesses you. John chapter 14, verse 21. i got to land this plane soon, but I want you to see this. John chapter 14. Verse 20 was a very interesting verse that God used in my life years ago. Look at this. Look at this. John chapter 14, verse 21. He who has my commands and keeps them, the one who loves me, okay, is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Okay. It's your daily obedience. Your step of disobedience will, get, will derail your blessings, lead you away from who you're supposed to meet. So as soon as you date that girl you're not supposed to be dating, you're derailed, my brother. You're derailed, my sister. Your daily obedience will lead you. It will lead you to the right people. People who will give you good advice, not worldly advice. Daily obedience, and he'll manifest himself. Daily obedience out of a love relationship, not out of religiosity. Not out of trying to be a good little Christian, but because you love Jesus. And he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And this is all out of a love relationship. Daily obedience. And I'm a witness from the time in 1986 when I said, Lord, I really want to follow you. 
I need your help. He said, now spend time in prayer. Set your alarm. Spend time in the word. Spend time thanking me. Hallelujah. See, that was, see, watch this now. Watch this. Adam and Eve now, they're in the garden. And they had a tour guide, the Lord himself, walking them around the garden. Look at all this food you got. See all the trees? Isn't this beautiful, my children? Yes, Lord. It's so pretty. Showing them everything, right? It was a beautiful tour. This is where we live, yep. This is the garden. He's giving them a tour. He's giving them a tour. You need to know that the first narcissist, gaslighting murderer is Satan himself. So he come and he's trying to gaslight. See, y'all getting familiar with these terms now, aren't you? Because even the psychologists were like, there's something, there's something powerful about this. Yeah, because it's demonic. The narcissist, that's demonic. It goes beyond just mental illness and, and, and all that stuff. This thing is demonic. So the devil comes and says, I want to be your tour guide. But what happened there? Adam and Eve were not in the habit of even talking to God. They didn't set their alarm. In that passage, you never see Eve or Adam saying, God, what do you think about this decision? He already warned them, but by the time the narcissist came, by the time the devil came, they were tuned in to what the devil had to say, and the devil became their tour guide. And look at us today. How can you lead your children if Jesus is not your tour guide? They can tell who your tour guide is just by looking at what you look at on Facebook. What you, what you find entertaining. And this day, there needs to be some repentance. Who's really a tour guide? How can you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say, Jesus said. But he's forgiven. <laughs> Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. And say, Jesus, I want you to be my tour guide. I used to follow you. I used to be committed to you. So that verse you just read now, as I, in John 14, as I was obeying it daily, and there are times when I've been derailed. i got to confess. I got derailed in some crazy ways. Praise God. Praise God it wasn't being unfaithful to my wife. But I tell you what, I got angry and bitter. So angry and bitter that God had to get me off the mission field back in 2005. I needed counseling, Pastor. I needed to go to a counselor to deal with my anger and bitterness towards another missionary. You a missionary. You needed a counselor? Aren't you supposed to be counseling people? Everybody needs a tune-up. I needed oil change. Lord Jesus, my tires were worn down. I mean, and God is so gracious. And I started studying the man Peter. That's Peter too, by the way. And I realized that he struggled with bitterness. Because, you see, the tour God, he wants to, listen, listen, i got to land this plane. I'm going to tell you about this in a second. Look with me because of time. Let's just look at, verses, look at verse 10. Jump down with me to verse 10. 
Because of time, folks. It says here, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. And New American Standard, it says loving kindness and truth. But it's all about mercy and truth. So God had to show me, not only do I want to take you on a tour to show you the world and the needs of people in Mexico and the needs of people in Kenya, let's take a tour into your heart, Pete Campbell. You got a lot of Bible education. You can preach. People come to the church. People are accepting Christ. But you're bitter and angry. You're still mad, Pete Campbell, at the guy who burglarized your apartment years ago. And you didn't want to visit him in prison, even though you had a license to go into the prison. But you didn't want to show agape love to him. Because you think love has to do with how you feel. But Pete Campbell, I want to tell you, love is a decision. The tour guide will lead you into your own heart and he'll go from room to room and show you idols of the heart. If there's a pornography idol, he'll show you that. If there's a selfish idol, if there's a money idol, somebody say amen. amen. If you have a position that you don't want to lose and if you lose that position, you would have a mental breakdown because your security is found in your position on your job, but you're not excited about your position in Christ. He, he, he took me on a tour on the inside. I had to apologize to that missionary. And I felt so justified for being mad at him. Have any of you felt... Look at your neighbor and says, I felt justified. Uh-huh. You felt justified for being mad. But Jesus told Peter, I'm going to tell you a little story, Peter, because you want to know, Peter, how many times should you forgive? Because you're struggling with bitterness, Peter. Let me tell you a little story, because by the way, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to need some mercy. But let me tell you this story, Peter. There was a king... Who, who forgave this man for millions of dollars by today's standards. Then that same dude that was forgiven didn't want to forgive this other man for $12. And he was called a wicked servant because he received mercy and he didn't want to show it. Pete Campbell, how dare you not want to forgive this missionary because he didn't treat folk right. He didn't treat you right. He disrespected you in a meeting. But it was Jesus who got nailed to the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Peter had to learn to forgive. The tour guide will take you into your own heart. He said, I got to show you something in here. And then he'll show you different rooms. Maybe there's somebody that physically or, or, or sexually abused you. And you're like, Jesus, don't take me into that room. But he's your tour guide. He wants you to take, and watch this. When he takes you into that room, he's with you. Somebody say amen. He's walking you into that room where you're, where you're holding on to stuff, things that you're so angry about. The person might have already died, and you're still holding on to it. And Jesus is saying, this is all about mercy and truth. I'm going to tell you the truth about me. I'm going to tell you the truth about sinners. I'm going to tell you the truth about yourself. And anytime I show you the truth about yourself, if it's ugly, there's mercy. 
that I want to show you. I want to forgive you. Hallelujah. And as I show you the truth about others that have hurt you, I want you to transfer that mercy to them that I poured into you. We got to land the plane. We're about to. As he's your tour guide, he'll walk you around and he'll show you stuff. He says, take a walk with me. We're going through Samaria. Tour guide, you went too far now. We don't like them. They don't like us. They smell funny. They eat stuff that we don't eat. You better follow the tour guide. Amen? Amen. So they walk in with him. And then they see him eating with her. And then men don't, they're not messing with those women. They look down on the women. These Jewish men at the time, they would, this would be their prayer. Lord, thank you I'm Jewish, and thank you I'm not a woman. That's how the men thought back then. Jesus knew he had to renew their mind about women, hallelujah, about, about the Samaritans, even about the Romans. While they were on this tour one day, he said to the Roman, one Roman centurion, he said, I've never seen, you got more faith than my people. And so on the tour, the disciples probably said, you joking, right, Jesus? You were just playing, right? And then Jesus tells a good Samaritan story on one of these tours. Jesus, you meant to to tell a good little Jewish boy story, right? A good Samaritan story? But what about, what about politics, Jesus? You know, what about Caesar? He don't like us. He said, give to Caesar what's due to Caesar, but make sure you give to God what's due God. You know, Jesus, I don't know if this term is, is, is really uh, significant, but you're sort of like an Uncle Tom, Jesus. You mean to tell me there are some good Samaritans? No, that can't be Jesus. But what about, what, about showing, uh, what about showing mercy to those who are living sinful lifestyles like the adulterers and the homosexuals and, and the murderers? By the way, the Bible says those three things is sin. That's what the Bible says. I, I don't want CNN, Fox News, or none of these people to tell me what sin is. I prefer to say, what does Jesus say? But wait a minute, I can't just be talking truth without telling the adulterer, the homosexual, and the thief about mercy. I can't preach truth without mercy, but I ain't going to talk about mercy at the expense of truth. So how do we bring this together then? Jesus says, take a walk with me. I'm going to show you how to do this. Oh, man, this tour is getting, it's hot out here, Jesus. So they walk. They see a crowd. They see all these dudes with big rocks in their hands. What's going on here? So he's like, come closer. I'm going to show you. And it's, what's that? They're going to stone that woman? Jesus, they're going to stone that woman. He said, chill. And he goes, and he starts writing on the ground. Y'all know the story? Y'all heard the story in Sunday school. Start writing on the ground. And his disciples are like, what is he doing? What is he writing? What is he doing? And then he said, anybody without sin, cast the first stone, please. 
they start dropping their weapons. Man, Jesus, that's all you got to do for them to drop their weapons? We need folk like that in Philly. You need to come to Chicago, Jesus. That's all you got to say for them to drop their weapons? The woman looks up, and all the dudes are gone. They're gone. Jesus says, where are your accusers? Where are those who condemn you? She cried. She's in shock. She thought she was about to die, right? So I don't condemn you either. Now she's like in more shock. But go and sin no more. Do you see the balance of mercy and truth right there? Do you see the balance of mercy and truth? When you face these political issues, these moral issues, you got to have a message of mercy and truth. You can't just say, well, let's just be merciful and loving. And if you tell them it's sin, you're, you're being very mean. Jesus called it sin. But he said, watch this, watch this. I want to say this too before I close because we got to pray. We got to ask God to change our hearts and think biblically. Amen? Amen? Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. The Bible says judge not. Oh, that's a big verse they use. They use the big judge not verse. But they take it out of context because the same Bible that says judge not in the New Testament, same New Testament says a, right, a spiritual man judges all things. So what do we do with that? Because there's a condemning judgment and there's a loving correcting judgment. So as Christians, we've got to call it what it is. And if somebody says, can a man marry a man? If I say, who am I to judge? I'm crazy. I got to say, wait a minute, what does the Bible say? Okay, I agree with God. And I'm going to make a judgment call, not out of condemnation, but a loving correction. You see the difference? That's 1 Corinthians 2.15. Write it down, because some of you don't even think it's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 2.15, the spiritual man judges all things but it's not condemning judgment. you got to tell. Listen, if you don't give the right diagnosis, how are you going to give a prescription? Mercy and truth. All the paths of the Lord involve mercy and truth. It's a balance. I have to learn mercy and truth. I have to see the truth about my own sins. Start with me. And the Lord says, you're bitter, you're angry, and I'm not pleased with you, Mr. Missionary. Needed counseling. Got me some biblical counseling in Antioch, Tennessee. <laughs> I thank God for that, man. Missions exist because worship does not. <laughs> That's what John Piper says. In most of this world, it doesn't exist. Worship doesn't exist. Mission exists because worship does not so in all this world where people are, you know, the, the, what was that song we were singing about, let all of the names fade away? We got to lift up Jesus in the world, and only he died for their sins, amen? amen? And there's people who need to hear this message of mercy and truth. They did a study. Look at verse 11 and 12. We're done. Look at this. 11 and 12. Look at this. Look at this. It says here, Psalm 25, 11 and 12, for your namesake, O Lord, 
Pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should go. He, he, he wanted pardon. David was struggling with, with this whole thing about the sins of his youth and his past. Do you ever struggle with that? The devil reminds you of what you did 20 years ago, and you're still carrying that? And when you bring it to Jesus, he's like, I forgave that a long time ago, baby. I don't even remember that. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, if, if you love mercy and forgiveness, wave your hand and say hallelujah. He doesn't remember it. It was nailed. Listen, he paid the price for that at the cross. He says, pardon my iniquity for it is great. It was more than adultery. He had somebody killed. David was a messed up man. But Jesus cleaned him up. Amen. The Lord cleaned him up. The Lord cleaned him up. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. But this thing with forgiveness, wanting pardon, it's one of the main things that Muslims are looking for in the Middle East. They did a survey with all these young folk. And these young folk took a survey and said, what I want most is the guarantee of forgiveness. I think that speaks for a lot of us. Wanting to know that for sure that we're, we're forgiven. And then verse 12, it talks about the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. I want to say, I want to say this as, as a cold. Listen to this. I wrote, a, I wrote a book, you can get a copy of it, it's entitled Fruit from the Trees, and we all should be fruitful, amen? It's entitled Fruit from the Trees, you can find it on um, Barnes & Noble, D. Yeah, Barnes & Noble, you can find it, you can find it in uh, Amazon, I thought you could find it, but we need to make print more. Fruit from the Trees, and in the second chapter I talk about reverence, the fear of God. Fear of the Lord has to do with this respect, a reverence. I like to call it relational reverence. Deuteronomy chapter 10 says that we should love and fear God. And if we as God really loving and fearing the Lord as we ought to, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is clean. We'll make clean decisions. We will not fear what people think of us when we make a missions decision. Suppose people think I'm crazy for wanting to go to Africa. For want to join this mission board or, or, or even take my business uh, to, to Mexico. or uh, Suppose I do, and, and, and people think I'm crazy. Well, you fear man more than you fear God. So if you have a relational reverence, it says the person that fears God, that's the person that doesn't vacillate. They have so much respect for his voice, they're going to do what he says. And if you really love God and if you really fear, you're not going to love other things more than him. You're not going to fear other things more than him. Like David Cornelius, African-American man, he got a degree in, in, in chemistry. And his, par his parents, his relatives thought he was crazy for wanting to go to West Africa. Michael Johnson, some of you know him. He ended up in Kenya for all those years as a doctor. Man, you a black man. For the tour guide who wanted to take him places. But as we receive mercy and truth, he wants us to show that mercy and truth to other believers, Amen. but also share that message with the unsaved. Because if we're not demonstrating mercy and truth to one another, the unbeliever will see that we're not really loving each other and they're not going to be attracted to this light. Amen. They won't be attracted to it. The Lord wants to be your tour guide. 
pray that Psalm 25 will be a passage that the Holy Spirit uses to minister to you. We're going to close in prayer. How many of you want Jesus to be your tour guide? Raise your hand. Okay. What we're going to do, we're going to, those of you who raise your hand, we're going to ask you to come up here, and I want to pray a special prayer for you. Even if you, you say, well, I'm not even sure if I'm saved in the first five. You come up to, you come up to. I'm going to tell you when. I'm going to tell you when. Look with me at first as, as we close. Everybody stand to your feet at this time. Stand to your feet. And I'm going to call you forward uh, in a second so we can pray for you. First Chronicles. First Chronicles. Chapter 4, verse 10. This is the prayer of Jabez. And I'm going to tell you all something about this. Some of you are familiar with this. I prayed this prayer back in 1995 or 96, right after I got married. I prayed it for 30 days. I want to challenge y'all to pray this for 30 days and follow the tour guide and watch what happens. It will blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. Watch this now. Watch this. It says, now Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory or my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm that it may not cause pain or pain me or harm others. It's another, or cause pain, it says. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. I want to encourage you all to pray that prayer for 30 days. I guarantee you, when I did that in Schenectady, New York, the Lord opened up a door to preach on the radio after, pray, after praying that for 30 days. I was on the radio. I said, what? what? Why would you, Lord, why would you open that door? On the radio station, you had Charles Stanley, you had Chuck Swindoll, and you had an unknown dude named Pete Campbell. But let all other names fade away. Amen? Because we were talking about Jesus on this station. But it was after praying in the Spirit, amen, according to God's will, Watch, some of you have talents and abilities. You were born for an incredible purpose. When you start praying this verse, get ready. You better get your passport because you never know where he's going to send you. Some of you said, I ain't praying that prayer. <laughs> you will never regret it. You will regret it if you don't pray that prayer. I'm telling you. When it's all said and done, you're going to stand there and say, mm, I should have prayed that prayer. God has a plan for you. If you raise your hand early, if you want Jesus to be your tour guide, come up here. I want to pray for you as we close, as we close. Come on up here. Amen. Give them a hand as they come. Give them a hand as they come. Give them a hand as they come. Put your hand on somebody's shoulder or hold their hand, whatever you want to do. Sweat. Don't, don't touch their hand, please. I'm only kidding. Put your hand on somebody's shoulder. Because <laughs> we in this together. Amen? Amen? We got young folk up here, folks. God has great plans. When Jesus met those disciples, the historians say most likely they were in their teens, 16, 17, 18, when he met them. There's some young people up here. Samuel was a young boy when he started working in that temple. Amen?
Hallelujah. Jesus was 12 years old when he was in the temple learning. The Lord wants to be a tour guide. Lord, bless each person here. Repeat after me. Say, Lord, Lord, I need you. you. I'm not perfect, perfect. but you are. are. I need cleansing. cleansing. You know my words, my my actions, actions. what I think about. about. You know my attitude sometimes. sometimes. I I need forgiveness. I want to be in good condition before I consider any mission. Thank you for your love. Thank you for mercy and truth. I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. For those of you who have never accepted Christ, you can pray this prayer. You can say, dear God, I know you love me. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe he rose from the dead. I want him to be my Lord and Savior right now. I want Jesus to be my tour guide. If you prayed that prayer, let the pastor know, let the people of God know, Lord, I want to pray for everybody here that you will remove fear in Jesus' name because they don't have a spirit of fear. Some of them never stepped out of the boat like Peter did to see what you could do. And even as he was walking, he showed his imperfection because he took his eyes off you, started to sink, but you were there to pull him out. Some folks standing right here are are sinking because they took their eyes off of you. But Lord, I pray they'll know you're standing right there saying, come on, give me your hand. I'm pulling you out right now. I'm pulling you up right now. Right now, I'm pulling you up. Hallelujah. I love you. This is what the Lord is saying to you. He loves you. And he has a plan for you. And he wants to be your tour guide. He wants to show you this world, the truth about this world, the condition of this world, the confusion in this world, the truth about the devil, truth about God himself, truth about stuff that's going on in your own heart and mind. If there's bitterness, he wants to take that root of bitterness out right now. Forgive your mother. Forgiveness is a decision. You might say, well, I don't feel that. No, no, no. Forgiveness is a choice. Think of how God has forgiven you, and that will help you. And he wants you to show that same mercy. Forgive your father. Forgive your grandfather. Forgive your aunt. Forgive your brother. Forgive your sister. Forgive them. Forgive your husband. Forgive your ex-husband. Forgive your ex-wife. Forgive your stepchildren that don't appreciate what you're doing for them. Forgive your stepdad, your step... Forgive them all. You know what? God wants you to pass this baton on. It's like a relay race. He's given you the baton to pass on to others. 
can't be carrying, listen, you can't be talking about I want to do mission work. You can't export your disobedience. How are you going to export that bad attitude? That's what I was doing. And they sent my behind right back home because I wasn't in good condition on the inside. You don't want to take this journey in bad condition. Get a tune-up. <laughs> and he's so loving and merciful. He doesn't hate you. He's been waiting for you to call on him, but you haven't trusted how much he loves you. This day, repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I believe you love me. Help me in my unbelief. You died for my sins. I deserve to die. That's enough proof for me that you love me. Give the Lord a hand right now. You can return to your seats at this time. God bless you.